Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today we're going to be talking about a show that came out kind of recently that a lot of you may or may not have heard of uh, from a game that's really, really popular published by Riot Games, Arcane. It's not anime, but it, it was similar and it had a lot of uh, very interesting characteristics that we can find in a lot of different anime. I just figured it'd be a really good point of discussion to talk about. I mean, yeah, it's animated for I mean... It's animated, so good enough. I mean, who hasn't heard of Arcane? This is a good amount that many people heard about it. I mean, we're definitely late to talk about it, but it's whatever. Um, reason why we're talking about it, Nikio recently traveled. And during the flight, you know, what else did you do except stare at your phone and hopefully you downloaded something. And fortunately, he downloaded some good TV. One of them was Arcane. Uh, another one that he watched was The Queen's Gambit. And finally, it was uh, Alice in Borderland, and the IRL. Um, live adaptation of a manga that I really, really like. So I think it's great. It's very similar to Squid Game in the regard that it's you know, a psychological death game. And it's on Netflix too, right? Thank you. It is on Netflix, yes. Yeah, yeah. So out of those three, you know, we had some options to pick and we decided to talk about Arcane. Maybe we're talking about the others, who knows. Uh, general opinions of Arcane, Nikhil? I have a lot of, uh, I think, more in-depth opinions, but general opinion, really good. Really, really good. As someone who's kind of played League of Legends for since the beginning of Season 2, so very, very long ago at this point, I was really impressed with it. I was like kind of... The backstory and the lore was always a big thing within League, but it was never really a thing that was um, emphasized because it wasn't as important as say some of the other things that kind of came up in the show and so uh i thought it was really cool to see the lore being a lot more emphasized and it kind of got me back into i don't want to say playing league but like definitely like more interested in the characters overall so that's been really cool for me nice me on the other hand never touched league in my life the only mobile i touch is smite very in, in comparison i think it's just not the same 100 percent uh Probably not even going to talk too much about the game, but point is, League, totally new to it. I didn't even want to, if anyone suggested it who has seen League to me, I was pretty much hesitant to even touch the show. But fortunately, a friend of mine was like, yeah, it's good. And I was like, okay, I'm going to hop on. So shout out to Kiwi. Of course, shout out to um, Mahmood, who I think Nikio is a friend of Nikio and I, uh, guest in one of our episodes. He watched it, never played League, and he's like, yeah, it's nice. Um, I thought it was really cool, especially, you know, the first three episodes sold it to me, right, with the... There's a bunch of sections, and of course, spoiler spoiler warning, I think, in general, my opinions with the show was that it, it had very tight writing. Um, there was, I don't feel, I don't have any criticisms. Um, going into it, just, you know, accepting what it was, uh, just a story of, I had no idea what it would have been about. And, you know, as I watched it, I realized, you know, it has this Tale of Two Cities situation going for it. And, of course, you know, they take advantage, very, very well done by the, um, by the uh, showrunners, right, and the scriptwriters that, director and everyone in them. Um, usually when it comes to quote-unquote civil wars, um, a setting, a good setting for that would just be fa familiar drama, right? In the case of, and what is a civil war, but just a family feud, right? And it pretty much follows uh, two, two heroines um, and then their quote-unquote humble beginnings, right? Uh, being, being from the slums. And it just follows um, how they end up growing apart uh, through some unfortunate circumstances. And it also has a lot, lots of, lots of different tropes in there, right? The whole notion of um, the newer generation taking up the battle of the older ones, and then the presence of the older generation and how they end up having to accept um, 
both their continuous ideologies and then the fact that the paradigm within themselves is conflicting with the paradigm that currently existing right there relics of the past that i you know these are aspects that i really really love to see in just shows in general so i was hooked from the first three episodes because i i saw lots of great potential of it right uh, if anyone has read tales of cities right the one about i think I forget I forget the specifics, but I always remember that one. I think there that's a um, British one, and then another one that I also really enjoy because it's really fun. Um, Les Miserables is the <laughs> French equivalent of that. And Les Mis, Les Mis, yeah, Les Mis. Uh, so you know, there's a lot of good, good, good settings. I think there's also another one that deals with. Um, I think this is a classical one that uh, a good friend of ours. What was the one? The Civil War concerning the Trojans? No, the. It was. I'm just. I'm just naming out the Iliad. Stories. Not the Iliad. It, it came after the Iliad. Uh, it was after the Trojan War, and it's totally. It's um based on Rome, quote unquote. unquote that the found... Aeneid. Aeneid. Okay. Is it the Aeneid? It was probably the Aeneid. because okay, I know. Yeah. Okay. So the Aeneid is another one. Maybe. Anyway, that was my gush. Um, very off the cuff. No idea what I said. I mean, just for the fact that I I really like the. First three episodes, they completely sold me in the characterization. They, I don't know. It's just, it's just very, very, very good stuff. Uh, I guess Nikhil, can you, can you follow up because you know you have more background on who these characters are and you know their positioning within League of Legends overall. Yeah. So one of the cool things about League in general, other than like, obviously the community can be very toxic, but that aside, uh, one of the cool things about League in general is like the backstory of each character. I think it's really unique and really kind of special to League and it makes it super, super interesting. And essentially in the show, we have this idea of, we have a character basically who uh, is kind of like going through that with like specifically around Vi and Jinx. And I think that was a really good trope to kind of start out with because the whole story behind Vi and Jinx was like, Fairly unique, and I remember when Jinx came out, that was kind of like a big deal because they were like, "Oh shit!" Like, I didn't know like a character could be like that. Uh, that was so that was really big. Uh, and so I really liked the idea of using the stories behind these characters to kind of like actually flush the characters out. So now when you play the game, it feels a lot more like you're actually like you know the character in a weird way, and I think it's super cool. But that aside. One of the one of the big things I really liked about it is the integration of using all these different characters of like Jace, of Caitlyn, of Vi, of Jinx, uh, very playable League of Legends characters in this show that otherwise like just you wouldn't, you know, kind of think that they would have any real connection, but they do. So that was really, really cool. And like having played these characters in this video game for God knows how long at this point. It's, it was really, I don't want to say just cool, but it was very interesting for me to see that because I was able to, I was able to one, have a really good time with it, but two, kind of see these characters in a new light or a different light. And so now when I play the game, like recently I got back into uh team, team fight tactics, tactics, TFT. It's, uh, it's really cool to play as these characters because then you get a lot uh, different perspective on them, which is kind of fun. But I think the show was really brilliantly done. I think League in general has a very, very intricate and very, very flushed out story. 
either between the characters or behind each individual character, they all have a very like succinct, flushed out like backstory, and that's it makes the game fairly interesting and unique. And I think the fact that Arcane was very masterfully able to kind of not only have a very succinct writing style, like you mentioned, Francisco, but also able to integrate all of that and like combine everything together was really, really cool. Uh, and it almost served as a basis for what other video games can be like or what other video game shows can be like. Uh, another, sh- another game that kind of comes to mind immediately when it comes to like very, very detailed backstories and like almost integrated backstories is actually Apex Legends those who are familiar and apex is a very similar kind of thing of like each character has a very detailed backstory and then each like they all have like their own rivalries but then each character is like kind of connected in some way so one thing i'm really hoping to see uh as like a launch point just based off how they made arcane is maybe like an apex uh tv show i think i watched the hell out of that uh and stuff like that so i think i think they i think they did really well I think they did really well. The animation also was really good. I wanted to touch upon that. The animation was really, really, really solid. I was very surprised. It wasn't like your atypical animation, I want to say. It was a a little more like bright in a weird way, but it was so detailed. It was so good. So I like the animation a lot. It was um, jagged. It almost felt like it was slightly 8-bit to me. Uh, If that... Did you get that feeling? Like it was, there was something um, unrefined about it that added to its appeal. It wasn't smooth. Yeah, that was that was a big one. I actually really really enjoyed that. Yeah, like yeah for sure. And the uh, like outer, I feel like there was a lot of them. The outlines were very. It was almost like they were pasted on into the scene. Um, but it was smooth. The action pieces were just very very well well well, put. I mean. Action's always great. Not too much action. I, rate, I very much like the drama involved with the whole fam- family situation, right? Family's always very touchy. Um, but I think we should pretty much... I mean, yeah, I gave, I gave like a vague, a vague premise of what this is, right? It's the situation that there's a city, it's enclosed, and it's being protected by outside forces, right? And there's magic that exists in this universe, but it's not necessarily actually tapped into it because it's very uh, catabolic. It's very... Um, it's very chaotic. It's it's not it's it's not easy to control. And you know, in the case of something like magic, which is pretty much akin to what uh, nuclear power, right? Except very, it's able to be harnessed easily. And that's something that's actually touched upon. And it's it's played more so into the plot B sort of situation, right? Because it, um, plot A, right? It follows V and then Jinx or Powder in this case and their family situation that's going on in the underbelly or like the um, darker quote-unquote darker more neglected side of the actual the actual territory because one there's one section of the um <clears throat> enclosed territory right that's like very well off higher class individuals right there's some um, running water electricity all that good stuff that you would hope that it's just naturally available to almost all of your citizens and then there's the more neglected situation where people are just like thrown off forgotten and just left to rot and that's where we get by and powder and of course you know at the end of the first episode, right? This is an ma- amazing set piece between Vi and Powder. Vi being the older sibling that's like, you know, about five years older than them. And you know, if you're, I mean, Nikhil, you're probably a single child. So you probably um, can't relate to this as much as others might be who have a family. Um, but I feel that no matter what the case, right? You always, it's almost impossible to not look up to your older siblings. And mm. there's almost a case that between 
during specific periods of your life, right? If you're like five years older when you're like, you know, going from being nine to 15 or 14, there's like a huge gap in almost experience and like outlook because, you know, you're, you developed into almost, almost a complete adult, right? Right. In that situation, like Vi is in a, it's in an, like a moment where, she, you know, they have a father figure through Vander and, you know, Vander is a complete badass. Like we're, we're touch upon on Vander through real soon, but I just want to get over the fact that what sold me from episode one was this one scene, uh, you might know, you might know what I'm talking about, was the moment where Vice like looked at Powder and said, one day we're, get, we're gonna make the city respect us, and then it just zooms out into the city that they're in, and I was just like, that's a like, I'm here moment, and it's like, amazing, because one, you kind of understand where, you know, Vice coming from, but the other hand is like, Powder in that moment might not completely comprehend the extent or the intent behind the words of Vice, except that as a younger sibling, they understand that this is this is my older sibling, and they're so cool for saying this one line, bringing me out here and like you know showing me, hey, that's my you know because in this moment, Powder was really down because they were not they, you know they were losing confidence on themselves, they were they were not in a good place, and their older sibling brought them out there and then told them you know just told them, hey, um, the city kind of eats you up, don't worry about it, you you'll get through it, I'm here for you, and then they see this moment of um. um this moment of um, vulnerability from Vi admitting that right now we're complete, we're nothing, but I can promise you we're going to like end up becoming what the city needs or, or make people acknowledge us. And I, th- I think that was great. That moment where she just stands up, Vi- Powder, I think, Charlie still sitting down, part looking up to her, her, her Vi, and then Vi is just looking out into the actual city. I think that was really powerful. And it sold me into a bunch of themes that I really, re- or a bunch of themes in the set possible set pieces that I always love to see in, in storytelling, right? The rise of a new generation and their, like, their ambitions and whatnot. And then, of course, um, the older generation, which is very well, very well characterized through Vander and probably my favorite character, which I'm going to spoil, uh, which is technically like an antagonist, but there's no denying that he's an amazing character. Um, no matter how you go through his characterization, it's Soko, uh, Vander Soko, who are pretty much the reason that... Vi and Powder are pretty much orphaned because, quote-unquote, reason, they're more so, there was a huge spark that led to a pseudo-civil war between the underbelly and, you know, the upper echelon, uh, the two persons in the city, and that caused lots of death. Um, <clears throat> Soko and Vander are kind of like the headrunners of that event, and which led to Vander eventually adopting um, Powder and Vi. Uh, but yeah, Soko's my favorite character. He's a very complex character, and I guess I can, you know, we can probably talk more about those two, unless you want to make a comment concerning that one scene I'm talking about. Thank you. It was a good scene. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I, I don't really have anything to really add to that. I think you summarized that pretty well. Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> what do you think of the trope of Vander? The whole, whenever there's a good father, they're going to freaking die. <laughs> The whole, uh, with, um, I think, I think it goes through, no, no good deed goes unpunished. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened with him? I mean, uh, I guess that's to be expected. Like, it didn't really surprise me, to be honest. It's not surprising, but I love seeing them die for some reason. I think, um... I, I was kind of, okay, I was, I was rooting for, I was rooting for Vander at the beginning. Uh, obviously huge spoilers for all of this. If you haven't watched the show, please go ahead and watch it. And then listen, but if you have all watched it or don't mind spoilers, please, we'd love to have you stay. And with that being said, as a disclaimer, 
I enjoyed Vander's character a lot, but his death was necessary because I knew it needed... It was it was so foreshadowed. Like, in the first episode, you kind of knew that he was going to die, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't it wasn't anything surprising. And if people said it was surprising, I, I was surprised. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not... I knew he was going to die, but, like, a part of me didn't want him to die, right? Because I wanted to see him, like, kind of interact with Jinx in the future and see if there was anything there. But... In a way, I mean, it needed to happen, so I understand. Uh, good show. A uh, good. I like the. Tr- I like the. I like the trope. That I thought it was fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no denying it. I think um, you follow Kate Up City, right? The um, the comedian skit on YouTube. And uh, I do yeah. not. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, Caleb City is really good with for this stuff. He's very sim. I mean, he's a comedian. Um, he made. Yeah, I think about a month ago, he made a when there's actually a good dad in any show slash movie. It's like about two million views. It pretty much it gets a it gets the heart of what the whole Vander situation was. It's like it's also I think it. If anyone saw Dune, for example, that one also had a good dad, and he ended up passing away. It's like. It's a situation where you don't have daddy problems, but then you end up having daddy problems because your daddy's not there anymore. Um, but yeah, you make a good point. The whole, like, I would have loved to see how Vander interacted with Powder, right? Because there's something in not having closure that just can resonate with anyone, um, especially in the, in, when it comes to familiar um, ties, right? And the fact that you feel that you had a good parent, but they weren't, they weren't ready to say goodbye to them yet. And they had a lot to still teach you. And maybe things that you eventually would disagree on, but nonetheless, their potential and the non-existent love, or not the non-existent love, but the, non, the potential of love that could have been there is no longer there through their disappearance, almost. It gives, it takes you to, I mean, they're, they're orphans at this point. They, they were orphaned twice. And especially Powder at the end of episode three, when she's once again orphaned and then Silco pretty much adopts her. Um, Soko, I thought, was really cool. His interaction with, um, with Vander and his relationship with him is very complex. Um, I also really like Jinx's characterization. I usually am not a big fan of whole being... Because they, they usually do, by day, I mean, just writers in general don't do a very good job with neurodivergent characters. And they're written very superficially. Uh, I'm not too sure how Jinx's character was written, but I do feel that Jinx is Jinx. Um, I don't think that they fit into any stereotypes. I think that Jinx is, was, throughout the entire show, was very well developed to the point that she understood that Soko is very <laughs> vindictive against Vander, but she also, I, I got the vibes that she also enjoyed Vander. She thought that Vander overall was a pretty swell guy, and, you know, eventually she is adopted by Soko, and through Soko's organization, and almost, it's, it's weird, right, because Eventually, Powder becomes Jinx, which is pretty much a crime syndicate lackey. And Jinx, at this point, after the time skit, has done some very morally questionable things, right? Killing innocents and whatnot, and just not caring about other people. Uh, that goes into the fact that, you know, she's going through so it doesn't, doesn't, not, that's not an excuse for her actions, and she's well aware of that. Um, but Soko and his almost adoption of his daughter, of, or accepting that um, Jinx is his daughter, made for very, very strong set pieces throughout the story, right? To the point, like, what is he willing to sacrifice for his kids? Uh, I think another um, another really good scene between so- for Soko was the moment where everything was given to him, pretty much, what he was, what he's been, his life's goal, his mission, to, you know, get his city, which is, you know, the slums, right? 
to have their independence, uh, and it was pretty much just given to him. And I, I think the line that he said is like, "It was everything's everything that I ever wanted is is being given to me, and all they're asking in return is for less problems for me, because they just want Jinx because she's been a huge issue throughout the second half of the story. You know, after the time skip for um, pretty much everyone involved, right? And <laughs> the fact that he's unwilling or to to just give her up really says a lot about." him himself is that in how he's grown to the point that he the only person that he can go to to even quote unquote discuss this and talk about his problems is Vander quote unquote Vander um, he goes through this very obscure location where there's a statue of Vander still around which is interesting that it's still standing right and I would have imagined that he would have gotten rid of it or anything that would seminally spark a flame that of what Vander represented which was kind of a compromise solution rather than his more authoritarian authoritarian um, grip on we need to get our independence so he goes there he sits down and then he just talks to Vander's ghost and he's like I understand I understand exactly so too too well what you went through Vander and I hate it <laughs> I don't know I, be, I very much like the brotherly relationship that they have the respect that they have for one another even though you know they obviously have reasons to hate each other but at the same time they can't not reflect on even though they might not like what they kind of represent, they still respect it. And I always, I always love seeing when two characters, especially when they become diametrically opposed, like have a self-reflection moment where they're thinking, man, this guy, even though they might get in my way, I can't deny that I see where they're coming from, but I just cannot be with them for A, B, or C. I think, uh, I mean, if you, if you remember, if you recall the uh, right before, like the discussion scene where you dragged him, where he dragged him to his lair, and then he talked to Vander, and Vander was like, why'd you do this? Like, at first I was mad and angry, but then I understood where you were coming from. That's a pretty powerful scene. I, I Yeah, I think so. I think those kind of um, antagonists are, in my opinion, really interesting to see. Because mm -hmm. they're, they're very... I mean, the thing about Soko is that he's exceptionally cunning. You also remember yes. that one scene when he's... When they were pretty... When his throne, quote-unquote throne of the... Um, uh, was gonna was gonna be usurped by a bunch of like these people went to his office right and they were like it looked like he was gonna die yes because this right hand man who was pretty much be it looked like they were betraying him because they felt that because of their influ because of their loyalty or like their love for jinx it was clouding their vision or like their mission right to get independence make everything run smoothly because things were going very south to the point where mm -hmm. people were starting to lose trust in his um leadership it was at that moment that he gave another another amazing scene. It's like the only thing that's, you know, pulled us through with us. And by, by us, he means, you know, the city that he's running and the people, right. and so, you know, the folks that he's governing over. Pulled us is loyalty for one another, one another. And he's sitting there, he's like, and I still trust that loyalty. And it was at that moment that the right-hand man, which looked like they were going to decapitate him, just ends up killing the other person that came in there like an ex an executive of that that runs some like whatever like some neighborhood or whatever it was mm -hmm. they decapitate them and i thought that was amazing what a what a great scene he just says yeah. I once again trust loyalty i as a writer i just those are those are the scenes that i just i remember because Michael doesn't have a plan b or yeah exactly like Michael only has what he's done up until then right yeah, his his character, his decisions, and he only has loyalty and trust. 
which is something that Bander also accepted, or rather, he let, Bander also led in a similar, a similar vein to how Soko's saying, right? Because what Soko's saying is exactly how Bander, when he was running the sound, how he ran it too. It was the trust that people have in one another, the trust that they won't rat each other out, right? Loyalty. And they both play that card, and they're both in that respect, and it's what really shines from this one city. And the fact that they're able to once again trust the people that they've been with since day one is great, right? Even though, interestingly enough, that same person did betray Vander, right? But that's because, at the end of the day, they both think their ideals for what is right for the city deviates. It's another one of those, like, no good deed goes unpunished situations. Exactly. Yeah. I really enjoyed that, by the way. The trope of trust, I think, I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's overplayed, but it's done quite a bit. But I think in this show, it was done surprisingly well. Like, surprisingly well, I think. And it really made you feel for each and every character, which I think is a very special thing, right? That's not, that's not necessarily something that, like, that's easy to do. And uh, I really, really enjoyed that. There's no denying. Right now we're talking a lot about one, about, about Bander and Soko, right? But we have to, we also have to admit, or we have to admit but um acknowledge that this is only one half of the story there's still an entirely different section of a story that deals with uh let me see the character list real quick so i can also what's the name of the um the city uh the oh, city... Zon. Okay. Zon, Zon. Zon is the one where oh, soko and bander v and jinx are from right is that yes correct? yes and then there's a utopia quote-unquote utopia city and what's that one called the city of uh piltover piltover okay. yep Piltover. Okay, so Piltover is the other city that we haven't even discussed yet. And that's one, once again, that one still has their own political situation, but that one's like, in comparison, still interesting. But it has just, in my opinion, characters that are at least a tier below the ones that, are, that reside in um, Zon, which is fair because Zon is the underdog. And we, I mean, I very much love underdog stories, and I'm, you'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't love an underdog story every now and then. Um, being an underdog, what, because you don't have the best tool, the best um, resources out there, what you do have is your cunning. Um, your cunning, your resourcefulness, and your character that needs to be on par to even match tier one. Like when you're, going up, when you're playing, for example, a video game, right, and you're playing rogue, to do well when playing um, quote-unquote rogue in an awful deck, you have to understand the meta, or in, in other words, you have to understand every set piece available to you to even make it to the point where you can be uh, acknowledged as a threat. And that's exactly what is so amazing about the citizens of Zon. They're just not in a good position, but yet they're able to be something or be a piece that cannot be ignored by Pillover, even though they've been ignoring them and taking advantage of them for years. The people in there are just so threatening because of how they compose themselves. I just wanted to mention that, um, I think, uh, let me, what are some characters that you found interesting in, in Pillover, in your opinion, like, overall? Oh, dude, I love Jace. I think Jace was a really interesting character, because in the, in, the, in, the, in the game League, in, like, the actual game, in his backstory lore, one of the big things was, he was a character that was, like, he was, like, a handsome devil, quote-unquote. He was never, like, a really likable character, and, like, that was his backstory, and so I actually really, really liked what they did with him, and they really gave him, like, a breath of fresh light. 
Caitlyn is also a character I really enjoyed. I am a AD carry main, so I actually played a lot of Caitlyn. So, like, it was really cool to see more of her backstory and uh, just in general, like, what she kind of brought to the overall story, which was really cool to me. Um, I really enjoyed that personally. Caitlyn uh, was a visa and writer. Her, is it her partner for most of the story? Or like yeah. Okay, cool. yeah. yeah, she feels great. Yeah, she was a really good character. I really liked Caitlyn, actually. So I liked, I liked both of them a lot. I thought they were both really good characters, and I really enjoyed their, uh, both their tropes. I feel like those were two underrated characters, because obviously the show focused a lot more on Zahn and that aspect, but it didn't focus as much on, like, Piltover, or, yeah, Piltover, in a way of, like, it didn't focus as much on the Piltover characters until the later half, or until the time skip. And so... Those characters, I felt like, kind of went under the radar, but they're really good. They were really, really well made, and I really appreciated them. Yeah. I mean, there's no denying. Jace? Jason? Who was his, um... It was... Okay, the guy who was helping Jace with the magic. I think we need to... Oh, Victor? Victor. Not Victor yeah. Nothing that Victor does is, is, is wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, even in the League lore, the whole point is, like, Victor is creating these, like, machines to, like, help himself at the end of the day because, like, he was dying. So he used Hextech to like basically become a machine. It was really interesting. And so I'm really happy that they're kind of exploring that kind of situation in the game too. It's pretty sick. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, definitely before we move on. Okay. So part one, like the first three episodes of the quote unquote, pretty much the um, prologue of the story. Um, in the, in Pil- Pilver or Piltover or whatever. Uh, you have Jace, right? Who's a uh, who's in like this? He's a scholar, pretty much, and he's like de- he's getting closer and closer to develop magic or a way for humans to access magic, right? Because he wants to help people, right? He wants to use science and help the general populace. Because and I love I love the story and I love the, his inspiration for why he wanted to do that, right? Because when he was younger and they were trying to find, they were pretty much just uh, what's that word? What's that word? Refugees. They were because they're leaving. The awful conditions or whatever they might have been right and his mother was going to just pass over and die because she just for you know she was going throughout the way she was probably like making sure that her boy was you know be- being kept warm because they were traveling to like this very cold tundra location and then she just falls over right because she just can't make it at that point and then they come across a very enigmatic character and it turns out he's a magician or he's a sorcerer and he sees this one, this one person in front of him, and out of everything that happens, it's, it's just random decision. They're like, "All right, well, I'm gonna help you," but they decided to do the most flamboyant and the most insane spectacle that could have ever happened by completely terraforming the location where they're at, and from a tundra to a very springing green oasis. And that whole sequence is just—it's a moment. It's a very powerful moment, right? With an animatic mm. character, just in a in a young boy, showing them this is this is the secrets that I know and you might never find out. And of course, this person never speaks. They they say absolutely nothing, which is amazing. If I had to compare it to something, this is like this is a um, Shanks and Luffy situation, huh. where where, Shanks, where like when Shanks gives the hat to Luffy, mm-hmm. then just leaves. Of course, you know, Shanks has some words, but in this case, the sorcerer ends up doing this thing, and then he gives him this rock, and it's like, that that was magic. What he just did was magic, which is the spark for what Jace needed, or rather, it was just a catalyst for him just 
pursuing magic and and make it in a way that's accessible for him or, or for mm-hmm. anyone. And that's what creates Hextech, which is tends to be which is a huge plot point. This whole almost a MacGuffin ends up happening during the second part, right? They create Hextech, which they, which you know it's a huge huge scientific advancement. It's like um, it's pretty much the industrial age for just or their equivalent. Uh, and with that, right, Jason Victor end up becoming like the, the prime scientist of this um, of Hextech and you know the corporation. And when you when you end up developing just technology that's just this revolutionary, uh, you end up getting a lot of political situations involved, right? And that's um, Jason's aspect. It's how does he manage politics, which is something that everyone hates, or I feel like everyone would hate because it's just so slimy. <laughs> yeah, and there's no denying that like Jace needed to do some very uh, just not 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 a respectable situation, right? It looked like he was was listening to what was his love interest that convinced him, hey, you need to you need to cut some corners. One of the fellow to... uh, chancellors, yeah, yeah, one of the fellow chancellors, and like you see a more quote unquote darker side. I mean, it's not necessarily darker; it's just not res- not apparently um, loss of integrity, almost. Yeah. Uh, because then he's also not acknowledging his partner, Victor, which is a person who just repeatedly wants to help people. And it's going to a point where Victor's body is collapsing on himself. And his ambition and his like efforts, Victor, throughout the second half, do lean towards using magic in an almost very gray, uh, morally gray situation, right? Because yeah. it goes back into the warning that, um, what was the what was the guy's name that... The um the head scientist and the person who's lived there for Heimerdinger. Heimerdinger, yeah, Heimerdinger kept yeah. saying, "You guys got to be careful with this magic. Like, we need to take precaution." Yeah, uh, and yeah, it's it. Those are good aspects. Victor, without a doubt, is something that I just you love to see him, right? And the reason why, another reason why that's really really important that differentiate Victor from people like Jace is that he comes from Jean. He's a denizen from there, right? He's, yeah, um, he's a man who went from zero. A complete zero, right? Because he's born with, born with, you know, not the most capable body, right? Since birth, and it's led for him to have a shorter life. But what he's managed to accomplish, um, f- from then to now, is just something that almost no one can deny. What you've done is amazing. But yet, there's going to be people who don't respect you, and he doesn't feel respected, of course, because, you know, he's just out there trying to do what he can. Um, even his partners, right? Jace, is starting to just not see eye to eye with him to the point where mm. Jace, is, Jace is leaning towards thinking that there should be a, a split between Zahn and Zahn and him, or him and his people quote-unquote people, Herover, whatever and it's just, I remember that one line when <laughs> I think it was like later half like closer to the end, right, when there's like when things are really getting elevated between Zahn and um, Hilver to the point where they're being barricaded in quarantine um, and then Jace ends up going there and then he's like Victor, what were you doing there? Right. Uh, yeah. Because Victor was like, okay, I'm going to go talk to one of, to a colleague of mine. And I there's I mean there's so many good scenes with Victor, right? When he went to visit that colleague and that one and the one line that when he's talking to that doctor from Amazon, he says, "I understand mm-hmm. now." Yeah. Oh, that was so good. And ah, it's a great it's a great series. It's uh, lots of good characters. Lots of, I mean, I think it's um I mean, Tale of Two Cities, right? Um, when there's when the one percent owns a lot, and it's they can always sympathize with with characters from Zon, and 
And that does end up leading for more interesting characterization. And only because, right, when you have nothing, it's interesting to see what you can do to get to the point where you are. Um, and it's always great. And, I mean, I think uh, there's a whole fallacy kind of situation where great artists need to be, need to have a shitty life almost to even make great art, which is not very much true. It's very, um, inflated um like you need to be you need to be in pain to make good art and i was like what the no you don't just coincidentally that's kind of just they end up making art and not just not necessarily from their pain but just from a very empathetic lenses that they're able to craft um and you know you only get that from living through hardship yeah exactly. yeah that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be in pain to make great art it's just it's just a consequence this, there's no doubt that I really like the show. I love all of the tropes. I love the writing that went into it. There's no way that I could have thought of anything of this. So it was great to actually just, you know, consume it. Uh, <clears> characters <throat> are really great. V is great. Uh, Powder is great. Soko is, without a doubt, my favorite character. <sighs> but um, I guess we're talking about so much good characters. Is there anyone that you didn't like? Believe it or not, I don't think there's actually anyone I disliked in the show. I think everyone in the show was really well made and nothing was like really that off uh, to me. Uh, obviously, you have the general tropes of like characters that you disliked because of the plot, but I think that's just because that means that the show just did a really good job of making it work. So I'm not, I'm not mad about that at all. Uh, but yeah, surprisingly, no. Uh, as weird as it sounds, I feel like usually there's always kind of something to harp on in that regard, but I feel like this, this case... It didn't feel like there was. Let's, we also gotta admit or just be very transparent. Um, at least for me, I'm not hugely critical when it comes to media because I acknowledge that it's really, really difficult to write a good story. So I, I do tend to focus more on what a show did very good. And that does sometimes overshadow what a show might have done incorrect. That doesn't mean mm -hmm. I don't like things that are... I don't, I'm not inherently um, critical on some shows, right? Uh, I just I just don't feel that it's very much worth it to focus on negatives. And I will admit that might be a fault of mine, but just focusing on negatives is just a really downer situation, and that can like lead you to this weird self-reflecting, um, self-fulfilling promise. Or because um, you keep looking at negative things, and you're like, yeah, it has to be bad, and then you just forget the fact that you know writing a story is always really difficult. So I like to focus on the good. Um, of course, you can make a comment saying that, okay, maybe Arcane isn't good because A, B, or Z, and I would love to read it, of course, right? But I I do lean with you, um, Nikio, that I just can't think of anything that was done incorrectly because if... Because at that point, I feel like I'm just trying to edit something that they did an amazing job at. Because And I also feel that the authors, or any writer, or any creator, when they end up releasing something, they don't feel like that's the 100% perfect, perfect version of what they could have done. They need exactly. to release something. It's not per because if you lean on trying to get something perfect, you're never gonna you're never gonna bring something out. You're never gonna release something. I think that's like I think that's an important point to make too. And I think with Arcane specifically, it's 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 unique because like there's never been uh, I think video game show quite like it. And also it's it was so succinctly written that like at that point, once I got to like episode six or seven, I kind of knew like. 
this was a show that like obviously just was really really freaking good and it was what made extremely well and if i were to look for negatives it would be extremely nitpicky and it would be to the point where it's like it really doesn't matter or it'd be like very very minutiae things that don't actually matter in the grand scheme of things and so with arcane specifically i think they did a really good job just getting everything done and across and i appreciated that so on the show fantastic 10 out of 10 it's uh crazy good man there's no denying it i think um I think I you 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 will always hear some nitpickers or something that feels like nitpicking. I think some I think okay. Do you remember Into the Spider Verse? I do. Okay, that's another movie that I just feel is just timeless, right? It came out of the same year as Infinity War, right? And of course, because it was animated and it wasn't because being animated doesn't usually reflect to being like an adult show. I'm not. That show is also very or not even. It's not a show. It's a movie. That movie is a ten out of ten movie. I don't feel like it. Did anything wrong at all? I think it's similar to Arcane, and then what was another one? Similar to Squid Game, it has very tight writing, and because it's not, it doesn't have quote unquote the weight involved with something like Infinity War, which is a huge cinematic event. But yet, you know, because it's a huge cinematic event, it's tied to a bunch of other movies, and that in itself has its pros and cons. I do feel that Into the Spider Verse is a more uh, self-contained story, and it has longevity for that right it's a movie that you can just go back and watch many years later and you can and, and won't you won't feel off because of the cgi that might feel dated whatever that might be the case right because it's animated and it has this very particular style that is very timeless but what i wanted to say about that it's it really brought a character like miles morales from being very two-dimensional even though it's great to see some representation and just but in addition to that representation it's great to see a very good character you might have your own opinions of the creator of uh, Miles Morales, right? Uh, Brian Michael Bendis. Um, he does he does some good stuff every now and then. Um, but in general, I think uh, <laughs> I think you know, I think uh, Miles Morales is definitely strong contribution to his legacy. But the way he wrote him in the comic books, not very engaging as a character or as a person. But the way that he was re readapted in the movie really brought life to my you know Miles Morales from his love of music, right? Very particular taste, or very his stylistic choices of his of his attire, his aesthetics, and his tagging. It had a lot of personality within it. But I did, and then I heard, and it came from my sister too because she shared a TikTok with me. A person was talking about like how they didn't like that there was not a Puerto Rican flag in his room. And I'm just sitting here thinking, <laughs> I never had a fucking Mexican flag in my room. <laughs> that makes me less Mexican. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah, at that point, people are just nitpicky about like some random junk that doesn't matter in the long run. Like, and God. so, <laughs> what's, what's no, I mean, you're you're completely right there, right? At the end of the day, it's like it's a thing of you can only analyze a show so much before you really just are looking for like random junk that just doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I think I think the show is just really good like i I just it was really good i had no real problems with it personally um i didn't see anything wrong with it i think if i were to find something wrong with it it would be extremely minutia and i don't think it would matter but as a show overall i think it was fantastic i I would i would just highly recommend it to anyone who who's interested or wants to watch more of it season two is already confirmed as well so pretty big news you know i have issues with that um, I guess my issues goes more into the fact that 
for example, there's a lot of Netflix series like You, right, that really, kind of creepy show, but it was very interesting for what it provided. Season one, pretty, it's a it's good watch, but after that, it just feels like it's getting milled. So I guess that's my issue with a season two. I know there's like, I mean, if it's a, at a similar quality of what season one was for um, Arcane, I, I don't mind it. I just feel that I'm satisfied for what they gave me in season one. If that's the Actually, ending, I, I, I can okay. So I completely disagree, but that's because like I yeah. know more of the league story. Um, we haven't even gotten to like some of the really good stuff. Like, oh yeah. Um, my main character in League of Legends was a character <laughs> called Draven. I'm sure some of you have heard of him. Uh, he's from Noxa, Noxus or something like that, and we haven't even discovered that place yeah, yet. Yeah. And it's like the the league story is so large to the point where it's like. There's really so much you could do with it. And so I think that the next season should be very similar quality. If not, like, it should be super, super interesting. And I'm not worried about them kind of like, like I don't want to say butchering it, but I think it'll be fine. I, I generally do think it'll be fine. I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, they did very well world building in the later half of the story, right? The fact, I mean, this was... It was like alluded to, but it was always, always in the backdrop, right? Um, and it's like goes back to Jace, goes back to what's that scientist's name again? Heimerdinger. Heimerdinger, right? Because he's like four hundred years old. So, and yeah. they're in a closed city. Why are they enclosed? Because they're afraid, and for good reason, quote unquote, afraid of what is out there. Of the atrocities of man, pretty much. Even <laughs> though they have issues in their own city, there's no denying that at the moment we are very much seeing a a single tiny tiny pawn in what is potentially out there and that's the kind of situation when the gates are open and you see the extremity of the entire um universe that, that they live in right it's a it's an aspect that it's very it's great to explore i'm not going to deny it. for example we're like we love one piece right and we love the fact that one piece doesn't feel small and i guess mm. that's another issue and this is, I can, I guess I can, I'm going to like uh, come up with a term, the Skywalker situation, right? In Star Wars, where everything feels that it's always, always about the Skywalker saga and the reality that just like, that, that dilutes the potential of Star Wars in general, because it feels like it's very small in scale. And how they ended up writing the stories eventually, that everything falls back into the Skywalker, when in reality, Star Wars has the potential just it's just a lot mass more massive and i think we saw that potential within visions for example the disney animated anthology series and what is possibly mm -hmm. there and definitely i i want to see what's what's out there in the gates um i'm excited i mean i also love the fact i mean something else that goes into this right like currently it's the whole family theme right and, and depending on how these stories unfolds i would like to see other characters being the main cast right and seeing how different themes that they can approach and tackle mm -hmm. because then it really really feels like a very well-developed universe uh and it's great um there's no design it kind of feels like a very extended universe a cinematic universe like they there, there, there's a lot of characters in league that they can really explore and i'm sure they will so i'm very excited about that so i'm actually not worried about that at all and that's what i'm like personally looking forward to i think the most just the fact of how they're going to tackle these different characters that are so pivotal to uh, the story as a whole. So that should be really interesting. Uh, looking forward to it. Very excited. Um, I guess something else that I want to admit. I, I, it took me a week to watch this show. Because I 
am getting old, and I think my attention span is just not how it used to be, and I gotta figure that out the rest <laughs> of my life. I gotta figure out how to get my attention span back. I do not want to miss out on a situation where I find a show as good as Arcane, but for some reason, I can't put my phone down or have a difficult time sitting down and watching TV. I want to... Uh, yeah, that's why I watched on the flight, right? So what I did was, like, I had no distractions, so then I just focused completely on the show. 10 out of 10 on recommend that. But uh, what I try to do in the night, or as of late, is I just put my... I charge my phone, I put it to the side, and then I just don't look at it. Or I try not to look at it, intentionally. Yeah, you have willpower. I am weak. No, I have no willpower. That's the problem. So, like, yeah. I have to do it in the night. That's why, like, I, I've been having a very tough time watching television as of late. But hopefully, it'll improve. We'll see. I think, yeah, maybe, maybe, see, maybe what we need to do is we need to go out there and then we need to experience things IRL, right? And then go back and chill at our place. But, <laughs> but we are blue collar workers. Not even blue collar. We're white collar. That's, that's not like our parents are fucking blue collar. Yeah. <laughs> we're white collar. We're, we're, it's so bad being quote unquote a white collar. I'm here first. We're problem right up because I'm complaining for just having it, having a good life because we got to sit down and we have to mentally drain ourselves by yeah, staring at a screen. A tricky situation. I'm not gonna deny we have it very well in comparison to what, what others might have it, right? Oh, like hundred percent. But I, I also want to complain every now and then that that fuck that's fucking boring. Yeah, no, I mean I, I get it. Yeah, like I would want to just go out there and use my body because I am one hundred percent still a freaking animal and I need to just use. I need physical activity, feel mm-hmm. alive and feel energized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess now we're just getting away from our game, but I feel like this is we're talking about. I have more energy when I exercise, and that's just a fact, right? It's it feels mm-hmm. counterintuitive. Like you 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 use energy to, to save more energy. Like what is that? What what is how does that make sense? Yeah, it's it's a thing. Like you you go out run like even if you run ten minutes, right? Just run a mile, whatever. You feel more energized. Yeah. And I don't know necessarily know the um, science behind it, right? But th- there's definitely something involved with that. By accepting the fact that we're just naturally born to just be physically active, and that taking care of both of your physical health and your mental health, there's a there's a very intense balance involved with that. And the fact that sometimes you have to sit in front of a screen for eight hours and get in the way of that because you end up becoming mentally drained while your body still has energy. Mm-hmm. And it's very conflicting. I don't know. Everyone out there, um, definitely take care of yourself, especially with the new <laughs> year in. Um, it's always good for you, and I know. Oh yeah! Be- Happy New Year to all our listeners. That's kind of big. It's huge. Twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two. We've been doing this for all like I think two and a half years now. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I, I love talking to you, Nikhil. So I it's whatever. I appreciate it, and me too. Yeah, I feel like I spoke way too much in this episode, and I don't. I'm not too sure if what I. So we went into it blind, right? You you came back and you're like, hey, let's let's hop on chat, let's talk. Then now we're sitting down here talking about Arcane. It's uh, a good so, show. It's a good show. Definitely a good show. But I just hope that anything that I said made me like was able to get across. I think I did. And right. I mean, you. I think you brought up like everything. Pretty much, I agree with and how I felt about the show overall. Like even, and it was a very interesting perspective to listen to someone who hasn't played League. That was something I was very curious about because, like, obviously my perspective was coming from I played League of Legends. I know this lore fairly well. And it's something that I, in a weird way, grew up with because League dominated, and I'm not even joking about this, dominated my middle school and high school experience. I was playing League nonstop. So, like, 
I obviously have like a have a I guess different way of approaching it. So it was really cool to hear your take on it. I like that. I love our our generation is interesting, right? In that our middle school years are good. It's very. I'm not sure. I'm not too sure if it's easy to just say gamers are just more prominent, um, but. There's no denying that there's a lot of people who just think back, right? And think of those hours that they spent <laughs> when they were younger and kids, almost to the point that their parents went to the went to as far as saying, hey, you're wasting your time. You should be doing something else. I think that there's a lot to gain from playing video games. It, it, keeps, it, it's just, it keeps you, well, I mean, you're thinking about it, right? You're just getting better at something, which is always good for you. It goes back to self-determination theory, which I spoke about previously and, and you know, couple of episodes and i just think playing video games is just good for you in general i don't think it's a waste of your time especially if you can look back and you know you're developing these like muscle memory things lots of good pros to it you're trying to understand the meta and then you have these very nostalgic memories of just spending hours (laughs) playing a video game when maybe you maybe your parents are making sense maybe you should be trying to study but there's no denying that's boring (laughs) exactly there's no denying that that's boring, and that's very unique to our generation, right? Our parents probably had a different experience, but there's no denying that even I go back, right, and I beg my my my, old, my parents, my old man, for like an Xbox, and I have mm-hmm. FPS muscle memory ingrained. And sure, it's not like it's not an instrument like other people, which is quote unquote uh, a lot more impressive. And I will admit, music is amazing, <laughs> and if I could know an instrument, that would be great. But I just you know didn't grow up with that opportunity. My parents weren't into music; they didn't have the to purchase classes or to buy an instrument and you know I don't fault them for that I think they did great with what they could uh, but I love the fact that there are others out there that you know do have that experience for a musical instrument or just developing their muscle memory mm-hmm. um, I think and I guess this goes out to anyone who might be listening to um, if you play a video game don't feel too bad about playing it unless you feel that it's getting in the way of your health in which case please take care of yourself <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, great experience. Um, I'm excited to, like, 10 years from now, right, people who went through this interesting... Talk about this weird intersection between the internet and that connection that people had with others through video games. And you see the kind of... Um, you see their perspective on it, on this, on what it means to watch people, like streamers and whatnot, which is not, it's something that I'm not a part of. I cannot watch streamers for the hell of me, but there's definitely a, there's definitely groups of individuals who just make a community, watch a streamer, and that's another aspect that I just think about, right? Me and you, we had video games, right? We play that, but now with my younger brother, for example, he doesn't play video games, but he watches streamers. Yeah, I think that's a big thing, right? Yeah. That's like, that's a whole different conversation, but yes, there's, uh, there's some interesting things about that that yeah. I, I'm like, wow. Yeah, yeah, and I, 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 it got to the point where I feel like I'm my old man now. I think, hey, you're wasting your time here watching the streamer. Why aren't you playing a video game? Yeah. <laughs> it's so silly. Like, what yeah. is going on? It's kind of crazy. But, yeah, because it's, it's weird, right? Because I was playing with my brother, and I passed him my remote during the, you know, the holiday break, and he just didn't have, he didn't have the muscle memory or like the, the skills to just navigate a remote. And I'm just sitting here thinking, it's not hard. But then again. I'm being an asshole because that was me at a point, and I should be more mm. supportive. I don't know, man. This is 
there's so much things that happen throughout the generations with technology and science. That's chaotic. Yeah, yeah it's chaotic, but if you're into MOBAs, that's great. Uh, keep, keep enjoying yourself. Keep making friends. Um, enjoying this, you know, enjoying the uh, simple things in life. Exactly. I mean, as we bring in the new years, I think it's more and more important. So I agree. Right. Well, I think that's it. I think I spoke a lot. Uh, Nikhil, I suppose you can close us off with any comments you want to make. Oh, man. Okay. Well, that's a lot of pressure. Uh, I guess in terms of comments, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, Happy New Year to everyone, first of all. I think that's, that's kind of a big one. I am very grateful for kind of this podcast talking to you francisco and just just kind of creating this community with you guys i think that was really important i had some time to kind of reflect on all of that recently and um i i i've i recently went to italy came back and got to spend some time with friends and stuff and uh in that time in that period i, I was uh i was a little self-reflective in the fact that like i was kind of thinking about like all this stuff that was going on and in terms of uh, just like what I value, who I value, that kind of stuff. Uh, really glad that I that both you and I, Francisco, created this community for all of you guys. And um, I'm getting a little sappy here, especially with the New Year's and stuff. But thank you so much for your continued support and listening to us. I think we really, really appreciate it. Um, I I mean, it, I appreciate it more than I can say. And I I can't believe that we've been doing this for like two and a half years now, which I think is kind of crazy. And I think like we're only gonna grow. I feel like. We're getting, we're getting, we're getting better. Um, so we're only, we really are only going to grow. And uh, thanks to your guys' continuous support. Really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, with that being said, Happy New Year. We don't really have too much in terms of what's kind of going to come next because winter season I've been keeping my eye out on. Not that great, to be honest. Uh, I don't really like it. So I am trying to find out what to kind of do moving forward, but I'm sure we'll come up with something that's not really an issue. Uh, but it should be it should be a good time regardless. So yeah. it's kind of exciting. Uh, maybe we can make a tiny episode. Free content, you know, on the upcoming season. I mean, yeah, the upcoming season is not... Nothing crazy. <laughs> it's not there's, that good. There's definitely something that... I've read like manga, the adaptations like Sono no Biscuit, right? The cosplaying manga one. Uh, that one that's probably gonna be good. I mean, there's I mean, good stuff. There, uh, there is something that I wanted to touch upon that I don't know for some viewers who might be into it. Soul leveling recently ended, which was really big. Yeah. It was really, really big actually. And because it ended, I'm actually fully expecting an anime adaptation in the next few years. And that is something that I think everyone should keep their eyes out on. But also. I think, Francisco, you should probably talk about this. Uh, a manga that both you and I read recently got announced. Oh, House as Paradise? An anime. House Paradise, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of, couple, couple That's of a, That was a pretty big one. That was a pretty big one. It's quote-unquote big, but it's like a sleeper big one, right? Everyone's... Every, okay, so it was announced by MAPPA. I think me and Akio, we quote-unquote predicted it was going to be by MAPPA because there was no announcement of what studio it was going to be, but yeah. for some reason, there was like, hmm, MAPPA has adapted Jujutsu Kaisen. They have announced that they're adapting Chainsaw Man. These are, hmm, and now Hell's Paradise, which is a quote-unquote thing on the internet. That they're the, um, is it the, the dark, the dark uh, trio? <laughs> something yeah. Like that, the manga. 
Anyway, yeah. I really like Hell's Paradise. I think it's a very succinct story. It's a lot shorter when it comes to chapter right numbers in comparison to something like Demon mm. Slayer, which is I think it's only two hundred and thirty-ish chapters. But um, Hell's Paradise is a hundred and something chapters, right? It's pretty much very similar link to what is currently out for Chainsaw Man Part One. Right? Part One has like ninety something chapters. Um, Hell's Paradise has a bit more than that, right? Uh, but point is, Hell's Paradise is a more contained story. It's a lot shorter than Jujutsu Kaisen, and I think it's going to be very, very, very great to see when it's completed. I think it's if it's same quality, then Mappo has un- unfortunately exploded, extorted its story. Oh, they're poor word person, man. <laughs> but uh, there's no denying they make good stuff. But yeah, that's that's one that I'm looking. Me and many, many of the people who have read the manga are looking forward to it. Just, a good shonen. That's another good shonen to just add to the whole list of, hey, this is a good shonen to watch. Look at that. Another one for the books. It is. And uh, we'll be talking about it when it comes out, so get ready for that. Um, but yeah, it should be should be really good. Yes, I do. I should probably mention. Um, we're aware that, that um, Solo Lemoline, the light novel, ended a while back. We know that. We're, we were talking about the um, the, web the manhwa. The manhwa. Whatnot. Uh, because it was pretty big when it ended, so... Yeah, I mean, it's, good. it's a good closing. Um, did you see the quote-unquote advertisement for the other one that the um, that the team is adapting? The other manga, um, the omniscient reader's point of view? Oh, yeah! I did! <laughs> you probably haven't read it. Uh, I'm cut up hey, to that one in the manga. Omnimiscent reader or whatever? It's interesting. Uh, I did an awful mistake of reading the Wikipedia, similar to... Solo leveling, the light novel that it's based on is completed, so now they're going to make it a, you know, manga adaptation, whatever, however you want to say it. Oh, I um, know this. I was going to read it, but it was like horror or something, which is why I didn't read it. <laughs> uh, that's, that's not horror. It's just, no, nah, it's not horror at all. There's more horror in, um, quote-unquote horror in Hell's Paradise than there is in Omniscience Reader. Huh. Yeah, so if you can handle that, don't, don't even worry about it. It's interesting. Okay. Don't do not read the Wikipedia. The spoilers just completely. Don't don't read the Wikipedia. It, it kind of ruined it for me. A bit. Interesting. I, okay. I still think I still think it's a great story. Okay. And it's very interesting. Uh, so that's great. I guess that's another one. Advertisement, free advertisement. But yeah, I think that's it. Um, I'm not so sure if Solo Lovely is gonna get an anime adaptation. I'm not. I mean, all right. I guess this is our moment to to share our opinions. I think Solo Lovely was only. It's a zero to hero story, right? Yes. And the moment that they knew he was not doo-doo is the moment <laughs> that the story stopped being interesting. Yeah. I mean I, I get it. Know. Like yeah. it's it's uh it's it's it falls under the trope of once the overpowered protagonists become overpowered, it gets kind of boring and it's not as fun to watch. Which yeah. is very difficult in anime to kind of balance, I think, because it's like it, that trope appears all the time, and it's just it's very hard to kind of just get right in a sense, I think. Yeah, because it's uh, not interesting Like, what's the complexity? Yeah. Of what's the involved behind this? Before we had the whole situation that he was very insecure of himself, and you know, as he was getting stronger and whatnot, he was starting to develop these very quote-unquote questionable kind of insult thoughts that were. Going into his head is like, oh my god, I'm so much better than them, but they don't realize it now. And he had to, you know, challenge his own his own perception and tell himself, hey, calm down, dude. I know you're mad yeah. at how everyone treated you, but like, 
don't be a piece of shit, pretty much. Yeah. So that was interesting, and eventually, you know, he was able to come to the realization that, hey, I need to help people um, mm-hmm. now, right? Um, and, right, uh, there was a point where, you know, he was the lowest-ranked hero, or quote-unquote hero, uh, dungeon person, and he ended up becoming, like, an S-class, and then the, the moment that he people acknowledged or learned of his reputation and the respect for him changed, that's, you know, that's the end of that aspect of the story, and now there's a bunch of lore that's just not interesting for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it goes back into talking about how the universe started to feel a lot smaller at, at that point. Mm-hmm. It's the now what, right? That not now what, now now what the story now what is the story about? Yeah, I mean that that makes sense too. I mean, I I understand. Yeah. Anyway, that's my general opinion. So it's interesting to watch. You just want to binge it. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not something entirely captivating unless you're talking about the more internal dialogue that the protagonist had throughout the um, earlier chapters. Yeah. Okay, I think that's it. Um, I guess this took a bit longer because I ended up once again commentating, but thank you, everyone. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, I got nothing else, so bye, guys. Take care.